out of nowhere, life can happen and it interrupts everything we know about productivity, motivation, and plans for our work life. Here's what to do when that happens. Hi, welcome to Business Mindset Mastery, my friends. I'm your host, Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and leadership expert. I work with business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs over at Heather Gray Consulting. And every once in a while, we're having those episodes where life happens and it disrupts our regular everyday work lives. And that's where today's listener finds herself. I'm going to go right into her question and I'll find you all on the other side. Heather, I confess to having never heard of you before. That's really direct and I appreciate it. Thank you. That's not the best way to start a request for help, but there it is. I actually think it's a perfect way. Thank you. My friend listens to your show and suggested that I write in with a question. I am in the crafting business, mostly women consumers. My home life is busy. My home life is busy. My my apologies with that. My husband suffered a traumatic brain injury a year ago, and as a result of an accident at work, he is largely limited in what he can do and how he can contribute. We have two kids and I'm largely managing them, my work, and my husband, who honestly seems like a load of two extra kids sometimes. I'm tired all the time. Between work and home, I never stop. He has little to offer because he himself needs so much. I'm trying to be mother and father and household manager, not to mention financial contributor, emotional contributor, and Jane of all traits. I'm exhausted all the time by caregiving, but he can't help it. He follows every direction and listens to everything he's told to do. I can't fault him, but it's not enough. I'm underwater all the time and I can't find my way out. I know you can't rescue me, but this is chaos. Thank you for helping my friend. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and maybe you can help me too. So first of all, I'm just going to applaud you here for taking action, for recognizing that you need help and quickly asking for it, even though you've never heard of me. Half my listeners don't do that. They sit and they listen passively to my show. They have questions that we get them out of their own way with their own lives and their own businesses, and they don't take a chance and reach out to me, even though they know me, have heard of me, and have been listening to me for a while. So the fact that on a recommendation from a friend, you just put yourself out there so quickly and so immediately just speaks to how committed you are to taking care of yourself and getting yourself out from under this stuck place. So thank you for trusting me. And I I hope that I'm able to help you here. Now, I don't know how well your friend knows me or how well your friend knows my backstory. So I just want to quickly remind you and then as a bonus, get to remind the other listeners who may have jumped into the middle of my story as well. You know, first and foremost, I'm a clinically trained therapist. I'm 20 years post master's degree. My first business was a brick and mortar therapy um, business before I moved working uh, with online business owners. Um, And more relevant and more important for you in this conversation today, I'm also the wife of somebody who lives with a spinal cord injury. Two years into my dating relationship with my husband, he was struck by a bus on his way to work and he suffered a spinal cord injury from the waist down and can no longer walk and no longer have use of his leg 
legs. And then um, that was back in 2005. And recently in 2015, a complication of his disability emerged and he was sick for eight months out of the year um, and couldn't work and needed a lot of home care, a lot of my assistance and all of that. So I come to you from a clinically informed place and I also come to you from a wife who's been in it. And one of the things that this sort of reminds me of is that the two different times my world collided. I think that a lot happens during an initial injury. One of the things I just want to reflect for you quickly, I promise you I am a problem solver. I'm not just going to sit in the kumbaya pool and tell you it's all going to get better. But I do want to offer you a frame and some perspective because what happens when life happens to us and we're juggling all the pieces, we just go to whatever's next and whatever's in front of us. And sometimes we're doing it with such a microscopic look that we haven't scanned back and looked at the full picture. So one of the things that I just want to reflect for you is upon initial injury, everybody's there medically. Everybody shows up because there's all of these steps that initially have to be done. You know, there's all these medical tests. There's all of these workups and the labs and the checks and the person, you know, the physical training and the occupational training and the hospitalizations and the discharge from the hospital and all of that. And it feels like what you need to do is really clear because you're guided by the system of recovery. So it says, in order to get better, you have to do this. Your husband needs this. In order for you to understand your husband's injury, this is what you need to know. This is how it's going to affect you. So initially, it can feel like everything is going to be okay because they're, everywhere you look, there's people around you. They're responding to your crisis. They're showing up. They're visiting at the hospital. They're watching your kids for you. They're taking your kids to school. They're doing all of the things. And then what often happens in this was certainly my experience is then he gets discharged into your care and people assume discharge means better. <laughs> um, even when you're permanently disabled and using a wheelchair and as you're probably learning, even when your brain has been irreparably damaged and you're, you know, having all of these other side effects and problems as a result of the injury, people immediately tend to back off and the presence of your community and your tribe and your people can feel less than and it can start to feel like people aren't paying attention. And if you're anything like me, I can tell you immediately that like when my husband first got hurt, we were only dating, but everybody reminded me very quickly that I hadn't been committed to him, that I didn't need to stick around. And I had decided I was going to stick around. I made myself a part of his care team. I said I would have his back and that I would be there um, for him. And so then as a result, I didn't think I got to ask for help because, you know, it was my choice to be there. And sometimes when you're a spouse, you say, well, it's my responsibility to be there. This is the sickness and health part. This is what it all comes down to. So everybody else has busy lives. Everybody else has kids they have to take to soccer practice. Everybody else, X, Y, Z. And you start to take on more for yourself than you need to. 
The other thing I think that happens is because you're just going and bouncing from thing to thing, you can't even imagine what it is you need help with. I know that that's happened to me both times. First, when he was injured, and then again, when he got sick, is that you're just managing what's in front of you. So when someone says, oh, if you need anything or just let me know, I'm only a phone call away, like sure you would accept help, but you have no idea what you need because all you're doing is putting out fires and you haven't actually taken a breath to kind of zoom out the lens to say, okay, what would be really helpful right now? And then the other thing that I think happens, and this is certainly what I experienced for myself in 2015 when my husband got hurt, is that I believed, um, well, he wasn't, he was a little hurt. He, he had a complication for his disability. Anyway, side note, sorry, sidetrack. Um, the thing that happened is he first started showing symptoms of his illness again in March of 2015. So I, we just kept handling the thing that was in front of us. Oh, he has this doctor's appointment. Oh, he's still ill. Oh, he still has this symptom. Oh, this isn't work. Back to the doctor's appointment, back to this, back to that. And so I don't think in March we had any inkling that we were going to be in it and in the thick of it until November of 2018, uh, uh, 2015 rather, we had no idea he was going to be sick that long and that it ended up being five hospitalizations and six surgeries. We had no business knowing that. So then when people were saying, oh, can I get you anything? Do you need anything? Is there anything? It it felt like it was going to be fine because it was just going to be another week or two, or it was just going to be one more round of antibiotics or whatever story we took. So as a result, we didn't know the end date and we didn't know when it was going to get better. So we created this story that it was just temporary, which made it really hard to ask for help. So one of the things that I would encourage you to do is to recognize that if he had a doctor's appointment tomorrow, you would figure out a way to get that to happen. If he needed to take medication three times a day, I remember at some point my husband in 2015 needed me to wake him up at two o'clock in the morning to give him one of his IV medications. Like you would make that happen. All of those things have happened because you have made it happen. What you haven't done is made the planning and finding the time to organize and get that stuff situated as non-negotiable. So the best piece of advice I can give you is to perceive an opportunity in the very near future as soon as possible, given all the other things you're scheduled, to take a two-hour break and just plan this out as if this were your job. Where are the holes in his care? Where is the help you could use with the kids? What needs to be you and what can you delegate? Because in this, it feels like it always has to be you. But at the end of the day, I needed to make sure my husband got fed. I didn't have to be the one to cook. I just needed to make sure there was a meal in front of him that had like whatever nutrients he needed and that he could stomach during his illness. So if you can take a second to schedule a time where you can zoom out the lens and say like, well, what are the car trips that are required? What are the commutes that are required? What are the trips to the pharmacy? And where in this can things be made easier? I think you will start to find and perceive opportunities for yourself where when someone says, how can I help? What do you need? Just call. You will be able to find something. 
The other thing that I want to bring to your attention is something, it's an app. And um, I've used this with clients and I've referred several clients to it. I didn't do a check. I wish I had done a check before I got on the mic for you to see that if it's still working. But if not, I'm sure you or a friend of yours preferably could find it for you. But there's an app called Lotsa Helping Hands and it's L-O-T-S-A. Um, and that is an app that anybody who's connected to you, your husband's friends, your husband's family, your friends, your family, neighbors, community members, caring individuals, they can go to this app and you are able to add things that need to get done. Your best friend can perceive things that need to get done. And people can sign up for this without having to bother you. Because that's the other thing I used to hear from my clients all the time when they were in similar circumstances, is that it would be like, yes, it's so helpful that you're making me a casserole, but the three messages you're leaving about when would be a good time to drop it off are really annoying and just take a chance and leave it on my back door me a text or, you know, something like that. So it makes it easier for people to help you without adding something to your to-do list. There's a lot of apps like that that would be helpful. And I think it's really important to recognize that like this is a marathon, not a race. Now, I know from my husband's spinal cord injury, and he's also a rehab doctor himself. So he works a lot with uh, traumatic brain injuries. I know that this can be the long game, that there's a huge learning curve and a huge healing process for this. So the other thing you want is to get informed about your husband's condition. One of the biggest mistakes I made in 2015 when my husband was sick is I just went to good old WebMD to try to find information and I overwhelmed the crap out of myself in seconds. So what I would like to make sure you do is that you have an understanding of your husband's injury, the symptoms he's specifically having, the things about that general knowledge that will apply to him, the things that don't, and then what the course of treatment is so that you understand it and can be matter of fact about it. Because what ends up happening is if you're managing something that is unfamiliar that you didn't expect, it can it can feel like the rug is taken out from under you. And that's what's happened to me. But when I know what to expect and I know what's involved, it gives me a sense of control over the situation and I can perceive what's happening next. But what you want to recognize for yourself is that yes, you're responsible for holding the big picture, but you are not responsible for managing every single part of the picture. That just like business, you can delegate some of this. You can ask for help. And the other thing that I would encourage you to think about is, you know, the first thing that happens when these things happen is you want to constrict the wallet. You want to stop putting out extra money because the hospital bills are coming in and the insurance payments are coming in. And it sounds like you guys are probably in a workman comp situation where, you know, sometimes it's tricky to get reimbursed on some of the expenses and you have to go to court and all of these things. So if you're managing unexpected expenses, you're trying, you're probably trying to pinch the purse strings a little bit. And one of the things that I always encourage people to do in these times that the best way to maintain your mental health is where it can be easy, let it be easy. So if that means you're hiring someone to clean your house, you're hiring somebody to clean your house. If you're getting a babysitter in your house to watch the kids, you're getting a babysitter. If you're getting a ride assistance program that helps people get to hospitals, you're doing that. But once you 
look at the situation of needs, you are going to be able to manage this. The other thing I'm going to tell you is the thing that you keep hearing over and over again is you have to take care of yourself, oxygen mask on yourself before you can help anybody. How do I know you're hearing it? Because that's the thing everybody likes to say when they don't know what else to say. What I would like you to do is help you figure out how to apply it. Because people will say to you, oh, just go get a pedicure, take yourself to the spa, sleep in, do this. What I really like has been the most helpful for me in the times when I am 100% caregiver and 100% professional is to really tune into the things that make me feel better when I'm tired, when I'm stressed. So when I'm tired, when I'm stressed, I really like my morning coffee ritual. So I made sure I had Starbucks every single day so that I didn't have to clean the pot, but I had a good cup of coffee. One of the other things that really helped me is my regular consistent workouts and my time for myself when my husband was in the hospital so many times. The schedule at the gym didn't always match up to when I wanted to visit him, so I hired a personal trainer to do personal training sessions with me. But the idea that once you get crystal clear on what it is you need, you're giving yourself oxygen for the situation and you are making the maintenance of you non-negotiable because you are a central part of the team that's going to get him to the other side of this. That's going to help him recover as best as he can from this. And of course it is overwhelming. And of course it is so hard to put one foot in front of the other, but this is how you manage it. The best thing I can do is remind you that information is power. So make sure you understand what you're dealing with. It it limits your ability to tell yourself stories. And the next is to ask for and accept help to let people know what's going on. And if somebody says, oh, I can do that for you, let them so that you can make sure you're gassing up for the marathon and not the race. With any luck, you're wrong. And this turns into a sprint that's over once you get over Heartbreak Hill. But otherwise, like you want to make sure you're managing this as a marathon. I want you to remember too that it's okay to not have this be the only thing in your life. That is like when I look back on my own mental health during that time, both when he got hurt And then when he got sick, one of the things that I think really helped me both times is I did have professional identity that I was able to latch onto. And I didn't always do it the most effectively. I didn't, I sometimes did overwork myself and I wish I had had more balance with it, but I was able to see myself as a whole person. So that meant like as a best friend, as somebody who went to the gym, as somebody who was working and, you know, owning a business and all of that. That the thing that ends up happening as a caregiver is that like you lose your identity to the person. Um, and I, I know that I've slipped and, you know, fallen into that where it's like, oh, my boyfriend has a spinal cord injury. My husband has a spinal cord injury. And it's sometimes one of the first things I say as an identifier for myself, which is such like an, like such an illustration of my own mindset, my own self-perception sometimes. So what you want to make sure you recognize for yourself is that you are not your husband's injury. Um, That, I have to tell you, takes some practice. 
But when you recognize the other parts of your life so that you're talking to a best friend and you're hearing about her kids' crazy antics or you're stopping at the playground and you're talking to the neighbor for five minutes and hearing about the latest barbecue, you're staying in touch with the other parts of you so that they're they're waiting for you when this crisis ends and this crisis passes. This is, you know, you're going to have to find your way. Some of this is going to be trial and error, but what you're doing now is recognizing recognizing that the way you're currently doing it isn't working and that you need to do something else. And I think that's really going to ultimately set you up for success. I'm so sorry that this is what you're holding and managing right now and that this is where your life is today. But I can tell you that like it doesn't stay in that place. I can tell you with some honesty and sort of forthrightness here is that sometimes it gets worse. Sometimes you have an unexpected complication. It gets harder just when you thought it was going to get better. But that, that, that period of just unrelenting hard will ease up. But you won't notice those moments if you don't allow yourself to scan, take a step back and find your breath. Um, thank you so much for reaching out to me. Thanks for taking a chance on me and allowing me the opportunity to have my story, you know, hopefully help you and other listeners as well. I really appreciate it. Thanks too to your friend for uh, recommending me and allowing me the opportunity to help you. Thanks for the conversation today. Anybody else who's struggling with finding that balance between life and work. If you would like my two cents on this, you've been listening to me longer than today's letter writer has. You can find me over at Heather at heathergrayconsulting.com and I will find you next time. Thanks so much for today. Bye for now.